0: We're in a series called The Church, and we're looking at these questions of what is the church? Who is the church? Who's the church for? Um, week one, we, we said that the church was the house of God. Week two, we said that the church is the body of Christ. Last week, we said that the church is the bride of Christ, and today, the church is the hope of the world. And that's where we're going to land today. Um, have you ever thought about the world that we live in? I know for many of us, we just work, we we study, we we do family stuff, we just wake up, sleep, wake up, sleep, we just, you know, sort of day in, day out. But have you ever thought about the world that we live in, at the state of the world? Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I do enjoy reading the news. I, I like to stay updated on what's going on. You read the newspaper, you watch the news on TV, or you have a a search online, what you will realize is that the world is a pretty crazy place. Like right now, right now as we speak, even though we are in this wonderful, warm, safe community, right now there are people in this world that are dying, like there are people in this world that are killing each other. There are countries literally at war with each other. Uh, there are people that are, are dying because of starvation and, and disease. And this is not even exaggeration. Th- this is happening right now. And the reason why we don't really think about these things is because it's not in front of our face. It's not, you know, it's not present. And so we don't, we don't, we don't know that these things are happening. But I also feel like it's because we live in this bubble, this, this wonderful Australian bubble, that we're so far off from the rest of the world that, you know, you know we live in a relatively you know, safe country, a healthy country, but the reality is outside of here that the world is not like this. You know, throughout the whole pandemic, which we're still a part of at the moment, surely you would have realized how messed up the world actually is. The amount of people dying, businesses having to shut down while others, um, you know, just, there are businesses, this is a crazy part, right? There are businesses that are shutting down and people losing jobs and people losing their way of earning income. And at the same time, there are businesses that are making money. All right, that's the world that we live in right now. It's crazy. But if you look at the world holistically, if you're honest, if you have a very true view of the world, you would have no choice but to describe it as being broken. Our world is broken. But is this it? Is that, is that it? Is that the end of our world? Is, 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 is this just our status quo? Is this just like it, it is what it is? Do we just accept the fact that we live in a broken world, we were born into one, and we're going to die out of one? It's pretty sad, right? It's pretty sad to think that the generations that come, like my children and then their children, it's not going to get better for them. Don't we long for a better world? Don't we long for an answer to the problems in our, in our world? Don't we desire for a solution? You know what the key word is? It's the word hope. We hope. Hope is defined as a feeling of desire and expectation that things will go well in the future. Hope is what keeps us going, even though we know our lives aren't great. Hope is what gets us up in the morning even though we know that life is hard. Hope is what keeps us moving, even when everything is going wrong. Hope, what a powerful word that is. Now, as I said, we've been studying the church, and and where we're going to land on today is this. It's the church. The church is the hope of the world. It's not Superman, it's not the United Nations, it's not Elon Musk, it's definitely not Bitcoin at the moment. Whoever told me to sell my house on Bitcoin should be ashamed. Luckily I didn't. It's not anything else in the world. But the church is the hope of the world. Why is this? There are two points today. Number one, Jesus is the answer. Scripture tells us, Scripture tells us that every problem that exists in our life, every problem that exists in our world, if you take it back and back, it stems from sin. The disconnection between man and God, the disobedience of man towards God. And scripture will tell us that there is only one solution to sin, one answer to sin, and that is Jesus himself. Let me read this scripture to show you this. 1 John 5, 13 and 14. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 1 Peter 3, 6, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you are grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.16, so we do not lose heart, though our outer centre, our Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentarily affliction, right? Listen to this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, meaning they pass away, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Finally, John 4.13, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. These are enormous claims that Jesus makes. And there's not a single person in this world that could claim to do or have done what Jesus has done. There is no organisation in this world that comes even close to what Jesus has done. UNICEF, United Nations, World Vision, Compassion. Look, they're all good organisations and they do good things. But they in themselves are not the answer to the planet. They are all but temporary and small-scale fixes. And even if there was a single organization or a single person that could fix every single uh, problem on this world, in this world, no one, no one can solve the problem of death. No one can solve the problem of sin. And that is why Jesus is the answer. Whoever drinks the water I give them, they will never be thirsty again. And it's not just it's not just Jesus talking about this lifetime, but he's talking about all of eternity. And that's why we call Jesus the living hope. Not just hope, but the living hope. The life that life will go well in the future through him. That's who Jesus is. And the beauty of it is he's not charging. He's not trying to make a profit. He's not trying to take advantage of what he has. But he makes it available to anyone and everyone. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, you can search your whole life for answers. You can search your whole life for meaning. You can search your whole life for purpose. But you will not come even close until you find Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Number two, the church is the body of Christ. So, where does the church fit in the equation? Well, remember, Jesus is the head of the church, right? Sorry, Jesus is the head of the body, right? And the body is the church. The church. Is the body. The church is the extension of God's love. The church are the hands and feet of Jesus. Let me read this quote. Being the hands and feet of Jesus means that Christ's followers, past, present, and future, are obedient in their commission to preach the gospel and co-labor with Christ to love, serve, and heal the broken, hurting, and hopeless of this world. Matthew 5, 14, 16. You are the light of the world. This is what the church is called to do, that we're called to be the lights in the darkness. And trust me, there's plenty of darkness in our world. The church is where good deeds can be exampled so that our Father in heaven is glorified. The church is not meant to be passive, but to be active. A city on a hill that gives light to everyone around. This is what the church is meant to be. Acts chapter 1 verse 7 and 8. He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times or dates. The Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth." The church is meant to bear witness of who Jesus is, not just to ourselves, but to the ends of the earth. The church is the megaphone that tells the world that there is hope. There's a solution. There's a future that we can look forward to, not just in this life, but in all of eternity, and that is Jesus. This is why the church is the hope of the world. Always was and always will be. Now, I know that when we look at the church and we consider the impact that the church has had, uh, you know, most of the time we only hear about negative things. You know, this pastor did this, this church stole money, you know, these leaders, you know, they were rubbish. Obviously, not our church. I'm not talking about our church. We don't have money to steal (laughs) jokes. Just kidding. We're rich. I'll let you define what rich means when I rich. We're comfortable. But if you go, the church is the hope of the world. Well, what has the church impacted the world? How has the church impacted the world? And I want to show you some areas of history of our lives where the church has been the hope of the world. Four areas. Number one, women's rights. The church is one of the first places where women were accepted as more than just sub-level human beings. Historically, women were worth and valued less than men, especially in the Roman world. But when did that change? It changed through the love and acceptance of Jesus, who treated women with dignity, respect, and love, that then embraced women And let them, uh, and invited them into the church. No longer were women just property of men, but were equally valuable and valued in the eyes of God. And that happened through Jesus and the church. The second area is humanitarian aid. Jesus cared for the outcasts, the poor, the sick. And as an extension of that, so does the church. Well, so did the church and does the church. They were there to fight for those that could not defend themselves. They became the voice for those that had no voice. Caring for the poor and needy has always been a strong part of the legacy of the church right from the beginning. Now, if you consider the the major charities in the world, World Vision Compassion, Mission Australia, You know, a recent study that showed that in America, 75% of all charitable donations were motivated by faith. And I would would think that that same figure would be relevant to Australia today. Think about some of the hospitals in Sydney, St. Vincent's, or the one in Wurunga Sand. they're all based out of the Christian faith. Because someone... Someone with faith said, I need to care. I need to help. So humanitarian aid has changed the world. Thirdly, education. The concept of Sunday school was founded in the 18th century in England. Now, the 18th century in England was a season, not a season. This is when child labor was acceptable, right? So if I was born in the 18th century, I'd be be living in a gold mine. Send out all five of my kids to go work. I wouldn't have to work a day. Good old days, not good old days. You'd be all right, Chris. You'd be able to pull in some income. Back in the day, kids went to work six days a week. Mines, you know, in the fields, in the farms, in dangerous places. Right? This was just normal. Anyway, Sunday was a day off. Think about it, kids. They're not educated. They can't go to school. You know, they can't read. They can't write. And it was the church, more specifically, it was a pastor in a church who saw these kids on the street and invited them into the church. Not to invite them in, but to teach them, to educate them. And that's literally where the term Sunday school came from. And that just blew up. You think about some of the largest universities in in, in Europe, in America, they all started from the faith, the church or people of the faith. Are they still of the faith? Mm, Questionable. But that's where they started. Even schools in, in Sydney, you know, Knox Grammar, Presbyterian Ladies' College. Meriden, Tyndale Christian College, Covenant Christian School, all these schools all started out of the faith, all making an impact. Finally, and this was an interesting one, it's the area of science. Now, a lot of us, we think of science and religion as going head to head, that they can't exist together, that, you know, it's, it's religion versus science. But actually, if you go back in history... And I'm going to share with you some names that I had to research myself. Um, Galileo, right? Um, Who knows what Galileo did? Oh, See, I don't want to pick on Ellen's life group because they've already heard this sermon. And if I ask them and they don't know, that's a little bit embarrassing. Galileo, Galileo. Anyway, (laughs) Galileo was one of the early scientists who studied the stars. And studied the way that the universe moves. What are you doing? Dropped two things and fell at the same time. Was that Galileo? Are you 100% sure? Is it? Is it? Are you 100% sure? I'm trying to fact check someone. Okay, I'm going to trust you. Because you went to a very good high school. Galileo, not only did he work out gravity, well, not gravity, but stuff falling down, but he he actually discovered moons and certain things and then wrote a song as well. (laughs) Isaac Newton, what did Isaac Newton do? Oh, discovered gravity. That's my son, (laughs) who I'm very proud of today. Well done. Isaac Newton discovered gravity through what? The apple, right? The apple that fell from the tree. Oh, don't worry. The next question is coming to you, sir. There's a guy called Copernicus. Copernicus. What did Copernicus do? What did Copernicus do, Chris? Or Andy? (laughs) Copernicus is the guy... He was also an astronomer. He discovered that the, what did he discover? He discovered, I have to read this, that the earth revolves around the sun and not the other way around. Because until then, everyone thought that the sun revolved around the earth. Now, some of you, you think the sun revolves around you. And that's a complete different issue. All <laughs> right, Copernicus. Copernicus. Pascal, it's okay, you're only 14. How old are you, Andy? Just <laughs> Pascal, what did Pascal do? Come on. This is the best chance you've got. Dongnose. Pascal's triangle. What is Pascal's triangle, Andy? Three, three-sided shape, well done. It is, it is a three-sided shape. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a cheer squad over there from the other guy who went to your school. <laughs> what is Pascal's triangle? <laughs> it's got three angles in it. Yeah, good job. Three sides and three angles in a triangle. Well done, guys. Um, I don't know what it did. It's he, he just. It's some theory. Some mathematician. And an inventor. Here's the point: all of these famous scientists, the thing that they have in common is that they're all men of faith. And what they did was this: they saw science, not just not not because they wanted to invent something. They saw science as a means of uncovering traces of God's handiwork in the universe. They studied science because they wanted to know how God created the universe. Friends, the church, as the body of Christ, we're not, we're not called to be stagnant nor silent. But we need to understand that the church is the hope of the world. It is the light in the darkness. This is who we are as the church. But the problem is this. We have forgotten. We have forgotten the mandate of the church. We have forgotten the purposes of the church to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And what we've made the church is a religious ordeal or a religious duty or a social club where we come and we feel good about ourselves, and we pat ourselves on the back, and then we go out. No impact at all. Even in the arts, and I don't really know too much about the arts, my wife does, but you look at all the famous artists back in the day, all of these guys, they were uh, motivated and, and even funded through people Of the faith and actually these Christians they were the ones that were creating the culture for the rest of society they were the forefronts but now if you look at our world Christians are silenced and choose to be silent on many areas of our lives we're not the forefront of anything except for slander and hypocrisy. But as Scripture tells us, the church is meant to be the hope of the world. It is the hope of the world. Let me read this quote. There is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to, to seek and open its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, and the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. This is the church. And I want to ask you tonight, is this who we are? Is is this who we are? Now, let's talk really specific. The Chapel Sydney. Is this who we are? Are we the hope? Are we carriers of the hope of Jesus Christ? You know, we come up to eight years in a few weeks' time, and, and I was pondering about this. How much of the world has changed because of the Chapel Sydney. And there's two ways you can look at that. Right? There's always two ways. One is you can be frustrated and go, you know what, we have made no difference. You know, there's this thing, right? Like if the, if the church was to close down, if, if Chatswood Campus was to close down tonight, how many people in our local community would actually be affected by that. Would would our local community even know that we closed? And I on this side of the coin, I would say, yeah, we probably not many. You know, I think one of the things that we need to do better is our local footprint. I think we have the potential to do so much. I just feel like in Chatswood, we we probably need to tap into the opportunities. And as a church, that's what we're planning to do. Burwood, it's different, different story. We've started on a different foothold. But in Chatswood, we definitely need to steer the ship. But that's only on one side of the coin. On the other side of the coin, if you ask me, has the church changed this world? I would say 100%. Because I, peop- I have seen people's lives change through our church. And I have seen them take what they have learned and the transformation of their hearts and taken it out into their workplaces and into their families and into the people they hang out with and, and, and try to be the salt and light. And I have seen that. I have witnessed that. And I would say, yes, 100% we're on the right track. And this is where we land. The question is not, is the church the hope of the world? No, the church is. Are you a part of this church? Yes, you are. So are you a part of the solution of the problems in this world? That's right, you are. But it's a question is what will you do with it? What will you do with that influence? What will you do with the truth? What will you do with this good news of Jesus? Will you keep it to yourself? Will you choose to build your own kingdom and your own status? Or will you choose to invest into the kingdom of God? Will you choose to make a difference? Will you choose to to enter the the fight to make this world a better place? Because that's what Jesus asked us to do. It was never about being comfortable. Church was never about being comfortable. If you're comfortable coming to church... That's a problem. It's not the goal. It means we've forgotten the goal. The goal is not to make an an impact in this space. The the goal is to make an impact outside these doors. And I hope and I pray that we as a church, we, we really get this and not just get this, but we really start to live this down because the church is the hope. There is no one else and there is no other organisation in this world that's going to save this world. It's Jesus Christ and his body, period. That's it. That's all we've got. Jesus is our plan A, B, C, all the way to Z. There is no plan B. You know, and for some of you, you just haven't got that part yet. For some of you, it's still just about me. It's just about my faith. It's just about my comfort. It's just about my future. And Jesus is telling us all through Scripture that it wasn't just about you. Yes, he saved you, but he saved you to save others as well. And we need to catch that. We need to understand that or we miss it. So not just our church, but what about you? God's given you this amazing opportunity to know the truth, to make a difference. What does that look like in your life? Does it look like anything? Let's, let's have some real talk. You know what, some of you, it makes no difference in your life whether you're a Christian or not. I think that's really sad. That's like saying that my life is exactly the same even though I got married, even though I made this massive decision to get married and have kids, my life is exactly the same as it was before. That's the same thing. You you say you're a Christian and your life is exactly the same. It doesn't make sense. It's like saying, you, you know, you, you won $20 million. No, $20 million is not much these days, right? You won $20 billion. Bitcoin finally went, you know, and you finally bought some and you... 20 billion and you still live as if you're still just on your you know $50,000 salary. What a waste just sitting in the bank. what a waste that's the opportunity. It's not even an opportunity that's the call that's the call of the church to be the hope to actively be the hope in this dark world. Because I promise you, my friends, the world is dark. So much pain and suffering. And it's the church, the church founded on Jesus Christ, that is called to be the light in this dark world. And so I invite you, I invite you to be a part of this. To not be a passive member, but to be an active member of the church. And I pray that as you, as you um, digest this, that God will give you opportunities to be the salt and white in this world for the sake of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray.